And a very pleasant good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of JMU Sound Off. I am Jonathan McNamara. The Bob Chesney era has begun with JMU football. We're going to talk all about the new head football coach for James Madison University. In today's episode, we'll welcome Cliff Wood, who's from the Montpelier Collective, but also played a role in the hiring process to give a little behind-the-scenes look at the process that brought JMU their new coach. We also have Jeff Smith on tonight's episode to talk a little bit about JMU men's basketball's historic start to the season, 9-0 for the first time in program history. But before we get to all of that I want to thank our sponsors at skyline financial partners and as always the montpelier collective for allowing us to do this show and with that we're going to bring right to our host for tonight's episode taylor atkins michael evangelista and steve brown guys what a week i have a feeling you're probably as exhausted from the social media chatter as well as the text messages we've all been receiving um, first of all, in the process of finding out who would be the host and then the the coach and then all the subsequent messages we received trying to figure out who it was and then who's going to be his assistants and recruits and transfer portals. So it's been a, it's been a busy time. I have a feeling that all of our data usage is up as well as our screen time, probably more than we would like it to be. But we'll uh, focus on the positives tonight. And guys, uh, we we were very intentional in not doing an emergency podcast because we knew that there would be a lot of people who did some initial reactions to the hire of Coach Chesney. We wanted to kind of sit back a little bit and and see a little bit about, first of all, how his introduction was in terms of the team and how the reaction was from the players. So I'm going to start with, Taylor, your initial thoughts just in the last kind of 72 hours. A lot of stuff has come out about Coach Chesney uh, from current players on this roster. Um, very positive reactions to the hire as well. Some, some comments about um, what maybe he brings to the table from a player's perspective that we didn't see on the last staff. Um, so just curious, your initial reaction and, and what you've seen for the players so far. A lot of it is still kind of surface deep at this point. Um, I've had the chance to talk offline to some uh, Holy Cross players, some folks that played right before uh, Coach Chesney got there um, and are involved in some of the mentoring programs with the current student athletes. They continue to say everything that we've seen in the media, just in terms of his uh, personality, being a player's coach, being heavily involved. Uh, not just with the football program as it relates to winning games, but being heavily involved with the community, the alumni, the fans, the supporters. So everything that you've seen on social media so far and everything that's being reported, it seems to line up a lot with folks that we saw we, I, that I've talked to from Holy Cross. And what I've also been impressed by is some of the reactions from those involved with Holy Cross, either it be former players or just fans that you've seen on social media uh, wishing the coach nothing but the best. I mean, there just seems to be a lot of good uh, being said about Coach Chesney. I mean, I'm not saying that there needs to be a bad side, but there just doesn't seem to be that other side of the argument. Um, I think the point has also been made that I've seen a few people say in regards to um, much like you know the hiring of Coach Houston and, and hiring of Coach Signetti, you know, these are coaches that were highly successful at lower levels. Um, I, I jokingly said, I think within a text group with y'all, I, you know, when initially the name came out and this is within the first, you know, minutes or hours of, of knowing that we were going to need a new coaching search. My initial reaction, I think I even said at the thread was, man, you know, Holy cross. I don't, I don't know anything about the program. I didn't know anything. And I said, but I wasn't stoked about the hiring of the Citadel coach. And I wasn't very excited about hiring, of the Elon coach who had just come from a D2 school before that. And I said, so if, if anything, I said, my lack of enthusiasm probably means that this could be the most successful coach that we've had. Having said that, I do want to go on the record that as through both Michael, Steve, and, and John really educating me <laughs> about his, uh, his history as a coach, 14 years, head coach at every level, um, a lot of programs, you know, under-resourced and really not having not not coaching at programs that were known for winning at their level, taking them to new heights. So, um, you know, we'll get into this a little bit more. But my first initial thoughts are everything I've seen and read. The more I look into the credibility behind that, um, everything seems to be true, and, and really excited to have him. Michael, this is one of the names I know when <clears throat> the news about Kurt Signetti came out that he was going to be leaving JMU that you initially mentioned pretty much right off the bat. Um, as a possible candidate, somebody I know you'd mentioned in years past uh, when we talked about the FCS playoffs and things like that. So from your perspective, why was Coach Chesney uh, a name that that popped out initially in the landscape of possibilities for JMU? Uh, and why has your reaction been so positive based off um, what you've seen from his past and what you think could happen in the future? I think Taylor hit it right on the head, right? It's, it's we hired a head coach. 
right? We didn't hire a hotshot coordinator. We didn't hire um, the the latest news, right? In P5 ball, we hired a head coach that has proved himself at three different spots. So I posted some stats a couple of weeks back on, on the Twitter account, but like he, he's got 111 and 46 in four different places or three different places, 71% winning uh, percentage as a head coach. He's won five straight Patriot League championships at Holy Cross. Um, he went 44 and 16 at, I think, Division II Assumption when they hadn't had a winning record in, I think, 20 years. And then same at Holy Cross, right? He went 44 and 21. Um, and he's literally doubling his resources. So I, I was doing some research. Holy Cross spends about $5 million in football year over year. He's doubling that at James Madison. I think in the Patriot League, they allow up to 40 scholarships doubling that and they had about 11,000 people go to those games. And so I imagine like with the level of resources he has, what he can do with a winner like James Madison. So really excited to see him um, really step up into this role. I think obviously we've all seen the videos, we've seen the player reactions. I think he's very charismatic, right? He fits the JMU culture. He's very engaging. Um, he's a player's coach. I think some of the pieces that remain to be seen right is like this is his first time in the fps in any capacity um it's the transfer portal nil era right so we're really excited to see like how he navigates some of these pieces but just from last year's results he had 11 all-conference selections and what i really love is four of those being on the offensive line so he's someone that really prioritizes the line of scrimmage um he prioritizes special teams ball um, that's something that he's constantly led year over year in the Patriot as well as other leagues. And then selfishly, he's uh four and one against Colgate, beating them uh 47 to 7 this past year alone. So uh no other JMU coach can say that. So it's it's exciting time. Um, he's a Pennsylvania kid as well. Like he grew up in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, went to Dickinson College. Um, that has become a very hot recruiting area for the Dukes in the past couple of years. So he has those ties. Um, so really seeing what he can uh, do here, signing days in 10 days. So let's see what uh, Swaggy B's got for us. There you go. And Steve, I, I know in our private conversations, one of the things you were most excited about, uh, in addition to his win-loss record, is the energy uh, and the the personality he's going to bring to this role. Um, if, for anybody who's watched his mic'd up uh, episodes that was on YouTube you know, from his time at Holy Cross, you can tell he's he's one of those coaches that just kind of pops off camera. Um, seems like a coach that has full willingness to engage with all types of media. What kind of impact do you think that could make? And, and this isn't taking away necessarily something from the last staff, but I don't think it's an unfair statement to say that media savvy is is a line that you would maybe have assigned to Kurt Signetti, at least before his Pat McAfee appearance. So having a young, energetic coach um, at a time when fundraising has become critically important for JMU whether it's for the Duke Club, whether it's for the Montpelier Collective, which we're going to talk about in a bit, the role that a, a very charismatic young coach can play in helping to grow this brand and helping to grow the amount of revenue coming into this program. Um, it's key at this at this point in our program. Um, the reason it's key is that he understands that it's not just print media, it's not just television media that matters. He understands podcasts matter. He understands that things like what we're doing, things that some of our other folks are doing, um, all that matters to reach the fan base. Um, and I believe he'll open up those streams because he also wants to make sure that he's engaged in the fundraising piece. The way that I see him, and I've been following him since he was at Holy Cross, uh, the one thing, and I've been following almost religiously, I know it's going to sound weird, but I did not want to face Holy Cross in the playoffs. So what I kept watching in the FCS when we were there, I'm like, God, whatever happens, do not send them down here. Because um, I was watching what he did. I was watching his post games. And he engages folks in a way that I don't think we've ever seen. And it's not a slight on anybody. I, I, honestly, it's not. Um, but I think what he does is different. And I think you'll see him get in front of groups and he's not going to be afraid to ask. He's not going to be afraid to say things like, I need this um, on the Alpha Dog video he did that you guys wouldn't have seen yet, but I, and I don't know if it'll ever come out, but he was, <laughs> first thing he said is, I need more from you. Now, he didn't put a dollar sign on it. It was wonderful. He did the same shot he did that, that you guys saw uh, for the general fan base, but I was impressed with the subtle message, which was, I'm coming. Um, and so I like that. And I like that he's going to come at all of our fans um, and do it in a way that I think is, is wonderful. So if you can engage people and get them whipped up, I mean, I was whipped up as soon as he got hired. 
Um, you saw what the fundraising did, you know, over the first six, seven hours he was hired. Um, I think, you know, we're going to, we're going to rally around him and I think he's going to push us, which is what we need. We need to be pushed. And he with another athletic, with our new athletic director and, and Jeff has been wonderful. I mean, we need a statue to Jeff, to Jeff Bourne, but I can tell you that at the end of the day, um, he will help that fundraising piece. He will help that athletic director be successful, uh, but he's not going to sit back and hope that it works. That doesn't look like to be the Bob Chesney that I'm seeing. I have a feeling he's going to be very much engaged and very much pushing, uh, pushing that envelope. So, so Taylor, I want to come back to you on, on one aspect of, of the search process, at least, and we're going to get more into that in great detail, but there were so many rumors. I, I think this time exponentially greater than what we saw uh, in the past. And, and one comment you made to me offline, you said, I have a feeling um, there's a lot more secrecy to this than, than the rumors that are out there are probably not based in much uh, validity based on on your past experience. How impressed were you just at the ability for this search committee, who we want to say right off the bat, uh, and we'll thank him when he's on, but thank you to Dr. Sankson, thank you to Jeff Bourne, um, Cliff Wood, uh, Dimitri Holloway, people that we may not know about because they weren't mentioned publicly in the media articles, and, and hopefully Cliff gives them a shout out when he comes on, but Jamie did an amazing job of, of going through this with professionalism uh, and making sure that they conducted this in a way that that was thorough, despite all of the online chatter saying we should have had a coach. It seemed like 15 minutes after Kurt Signetti left. Um, your just thoughts on Jamie's ability to, to do this in a first class way, which led to, by all accounts, at least we think their top candidate right off the bat. Yeah, there's two parts to this, and I think Cliff will be able to uh, shine some light on it a little bit. But, you know, you, you have, first of all, you have Jeff Bourne, and I can't overstate his leadership um, and his ability to know best practices across the industry. And for 25 years, he has done um, an impeccable job in situations like this time and time again. Uh, the search firm that they used was uh, the same one that we used down at UTSA. And you know, that organization, not again, to echo the best practices aspect of the search. Um, but there's just, there's so much that in this day and age of social media and sources and leaks and who knows this and who knows that. It was just one of those things. I stayed very quiet during the search. Well, I shouldn't say I stayed quiet. I didn't know anything. But as I'm reading a lot of the stuff coming out, as it would come out, there was just part of me. Every, every time I saw news come out from a source, there was part of me that went ahead and was able to write that off and say, well, then that's probably not true. And so, again, um, the four of us still don't know the ins and outs of all the secrets and everything that went on. Um, a lot of that will never come out because it doesn't need to come out. Um, you know, there's a lot of professional relationships, a lot of money and resources tied up into these searches. And when you're talking about something like a head football coach, I mean, we always talk about athletics being the front porch. Um, I mean, this is the front of the front porch. And there is a lot of um, effort and assets and resources and dollars that are just tied up into this program. So, I would just caution, I don't think we'll have to go through a head coaching search anytime soon. Again, I hope, but um, just for the fan base can sometimes in their excitement and in the best of intentions really cause some unnecessary stress and burdens when they're out there stating things so absolutely when a lot of it is probably just educated guesses and, um, you know, that that's all I really say to that. But I, I do think JMU and the search firm that they hired another first class performance on all ends of that. And again, we got our guy. All right. And Michael, before we bring on uh, our first guest, I want to ask you, because we've gotten some questions, you know, through direct message and, and in the chat. What can fans expect to see from a, uh, a Bob Chesney team for what, what he did at Holy Cross? What, what kind of defense do they run? Um, what could we see potentially from an offensive scheme? Obviously, he's going to tailor anything to the personnel that he has here at JMU. Uh, but from your thoughts, as somebody who, who, you know, more in the X and O's of football, what could people expect to see from Coach Jesse? Yeah, I think the the biggest um, piece that I'm personally excited about is that Chesney's always punched above his weight class. He's had one losing season as a head coach, and that was, I believe, in 2018 when he took over Holy Cross and they went five and six. Um, but in terms of like a personnel X's and O's perspective. Um, for the common fan, the offense, I, I imagine, would probably look fairly simple. Very RPO-based. 
um, zone option run, um, probably more run game from the quarterback, just from what we've seen from Sluka over the past couple of years. Um, but it's going to be your spread shotgun set. And I think on defense, I think his style, which is 4-3, 4-2-5, add that defensive back on the back end, is probably going to be similar to what we've seen um, at JMU as well. So from like a transition personnel-wise, player personnel, he's going to bring some of these guys in. I'm not expecting too much too much there that's going to differ from years past. But it's pretty impressive what he's done at Holy Cross. Not only has he led the country in defensive statistics over the last like two or three years, um, he's beaten UConn in 2021. He beat them 38 to 28, which is big considering it's a Holy Cross Patriot League program. In 2022, they beat Buffalo 37 to 31 um, before running into a juggernaut in, San- in South Dakota State in the playoffs. They, they were almost there in the semifinals. He's always punched about the weight class and he has a roster. And I know a lot of the concerns over Twitter, just getting text messages is he's never been out of the Northeast from a roster perspective. Holy cross actually recruits nationally. Um, you expect a number of new England players, which he does, but he has a high influx of recruits from Florida, Georgia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania areas that James has recruited very well. So he's got some ties there too. So really excited to see what he does there once again like he is a player he's a coach that wants to dominate the line of scrimmage and that has translated well for jmu year over year and i think second too is that he's gotten a lot of productivity out of the wide receiver room running back room very balanced on both sides of the ball and seems to be a coach that really focuses on special teams that's something that seemed to also pop uh in some of the articles and some of the comments i saw from holy cross personnel is that that special teams unit seems to be not afraid uh to do some outside of the box things also very analytics based um from from mm-hmm. some of the articles i read so. yeah he has a lot of starters play on special teams from what i've read i think his first year there they blocked nine kicks i think like six field goals and three punts which is insane to think about um but you know dare i say it but it's very beamer ball-esque that's what he prioritizes and he's not afraid to put talent on the field similar to the prior coach if you're a freshman if you're first time on the your first time on the roster like he'll play you that's what he's on at Holy Cross. Awesome. And with that, we're going to get to our first guest because he actually knows Coach Chesney and had a chance to meet him a little bit. Cliff Wood, fresh off his, well, we actually don't know where you went. It's <laughs> a lot of flight tracking. Not sure too much of it was true, but Cliff, um, again, you, you were in the green room, so to say, listening to us. Thank you. But we're going to thank you when you're actually on the screen. Um, take us a little bit behind the scenes of reality versus fiction because i know you know anybody that tags the montpelier collective or tags certain things you know you see some of these conversations online just as well and there was there was a lot of armchair hiring committee people or armchair athletic directors that that stressed the sense of urgency that was certainly a a term so i wanted to give you right off the bat a chance to address how much there really was a sense of urgency but also the need as a part of a professional hiring process to do our due diligence and to make sure that we were giving all of the candidates who were involved in the search, whoever they were, um, a fair shake and the opportunity to make sure that JMU made an important hire in this you know, time in the athletic department with all that's changing. Um, take us behind the scenes a little bit and, and do that fact versus fiction. Yeah, I think um, this is the only industry that people could possibly prioritize hiring someone quicker than hiring the right person. And uh, that was evident if you mistakenly clicked on Twitter or anything else in social media. Most of what was out there was not true. Um, It was, you know, it'd be funny if you weren't involved in it. Uh, But since I was, it wasn't that funny. Um, But, you know, it was interesting. I I was lucky enough to be involved in Coach Byington's uh, hiring. The same thing. We worked with the same agency, CSA, that that Taylor's talking about. It's a great agency. And the way it works is... um, you know, as an athletic staff, you, you always have to have a list because you never know what's going to happen with your head coaches. So you keep a list. CSA keeps a list. And then when you get together, you kind of compare lists, you compile them into one. Then eventually, you know, they'll do a bunch of background uh, on the people that you think you're, you're the most interested in. Uh, then you kind of have to call it down fairly quickly to a handful of candidates and then uh, kind of get out there and, and, and hit the road. But some of the names that um, I don't know if they're troll accounts or what, but people just bought right into them. Uh, and then the whole uh, s- fill in the blank was seen on campus this week was was pretty fun, was pretty funny. 
So um, it was it was odd, like because I've hired a lot of people in my career. Never had to worry about somebody meeting me in an airport before an interview uh, or the press following you. So it was certainly an interesting week. So, Cliff, there's a lot of talk about who was on these trips and why they were on these trips. Um, are you are you able to talk about um, the, the the group that was talked about going on these trips, if that was the group? And then can you kind of go into why you and people that were in that group, why they were selected to be on that in that group and not others? Right. So the, what was reported was, and what John said earlier, that was the group that went on the trip. But it's a bigger team that that makes those decisions. Um, you know, Kevin Warner, Kevin White, Jeff Poblis were actively involved, and they always are at making sure that you have the list. Uh, their input is equal to everybody else's on who we should go talk to. And then there's a committee. Uh, Roger's on there, obviously, for academics. Uh, Dimitri was awesome. I mean, he added so much having played – for us, obviously, he was a great player, played professional football, and then came back as now a graduate assistant, has a real feel for the team, also from a, a coach's perspective as well. Uh, my background's a little weird. You know, I worked at Carmax. I also worked there in athletics for four years uh, and also work uh, with the collective. So I'd certainly bring a little bit of a different perspective uh, there. So we kind of tried to touch all the bases there as we went to uh, talk to candidates. Can you also maybe talk a little bit about, I mean, Jeff's role is a little different in this search, knowing that he will not be here next season. Can you shed any light into how that was kind of discussed in going through this process? Yeah, you know, it, it was Jeff. He's very upfront. and it, it, The candidates all knew that. Uh, Jeff addressed it immediately, and then we kind of, you know, it was kind of a non-issue. Um, so, and, and he set it up very well and I'm not going to put words in Jeff's mouth or, or talk about what we talked about in, in interviews sure. when nobody was around, but he was just very honest about, about what you guys already know that, that this is kind of his last, uh, round and, you know, look, hopefully this is the last major decision he has to make and he made a good one. Awesome. Thank you. Back at some of, um, you know, Jeff Bourne's hiring decisions. We, you know, Houston coming from Citadel, winning with limited resources, Signetti coming from Division Two and Elon. Um, we're noticing a, a, a trend, right? Prior head coaches that have had success. What stood out most about Chesney? Because I can imagine probably similar criteria, um, probably different nuances here and there, depending on what the program needs at the time. We talked a lot about fundraising, et cetera. What stood out about Chesney that said, hey, like this is a no brainer hire for us? Yeah, he and Jeff said it. If uh, you guys read the Born Dialogue or whoever's listening read the Born Dialogue, uh, he's very analytical, um, very organized, very detail oriented. Um, and you, you can, to me, having come from the business sector, then then to athletics, it reminded me of my old career and how somebody would handle uh, an interview like that. He's just really impressive. And it, yeah, Michael, you talked. You're a stack guy. You talked about all that. I mean, I think he's coached 14 years and he was coach of the year in whatever conference he was in eight times. So the, his ability to kind of matriculate all the way up to FCS and be dominant uh, in all of those was certainly uh, was certainly impressive. And look, he knows he's never coached an FBS. He didn't run from that. Um, and, you know, you'll, you'll hear a lot more from him on Tuesday, but I can't really share anything with you guys that you haven't already seen. So you guys talked about the YouTube video. YouTube videos of him when he's mic'd up. You've seen him talk. That's who he is. Like, there's no, there's no BS around it. That's how that's how he was in the interview. That's how he is when I've talked to him since. A lot of energy, uh, great work ethic. Uh, so far, so good. Awesome. And you talked a lot about like the Twitter noise, right? Like, we know that JMU has a very passionate fan base, a very loud, boisterous one, whether they're incorrect or not. <laughs> Would you be able to like take us behind the kimono a little bit about? I'm sure his priorities right now are around player personnel, NIL, portal stuff, but like what's happening right now behind the scenes that you can share um, with Chesney's first 48 to 72 hours? I mean, it's just like anybody's first. I mean, he's got to get his staff in here. So I'm sure he's working on that. The portal screws up any hire. So mm -hmm. like, because and it, it squeezes the timeline. That's where, that's why all the fans were upset. And a lot of our guys, and, and look, I'll, I'll address that piece too. Like, uh, I saw a lot of stuff about being upset with our student athletes for going in the portal. They have to protect themselves. They don't know what's going to happen. Uh, you can always come out of the portal. You know, uh, they shrunk the portal this year to 45 days, 
right? So, you know, going in the portal doesn't mean you 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 can't come back out. So, you know, look, it's scary. If, if, if one of us, you know, has a boss and two hours later that boss is working somewhere else, you're going to worry about your career going forward. So, and the difference is, you know, I'm a 57-year-old man and they're 20-year-old uh, young men. So they've never been through, most of them have never been through something like that before. Um, you know, so they're trying to do the best they can, talk with their families about what's best, what's the best opportunity for them. So um, it was a little disheartening to see some of the, the, the anger and loyalty questioning and all that stuff. That was that was disappointing. And the stuff around us, I, I'm big boy, I can handle it. It was silly, the stuff you heard and that we were deliberately going slow and you know, at one point we knew things were done, but Bob was in Vegas, so there wasn't a whole lot we could do to get him here any faster. And he was there with his with his quarterback who was up for player of the year. Well, thanks again for, for everything you guys did. And I've got some questions really about fundraising. Um and when you and you may not be able to talk about it, what you all talked about, but did he have did Bob talk with you about the Duke Club or about the collective and any ideas he had for that that you can share? Come on, Steve. It's what I used to do. I brought it up if he wasn't going to bring it up. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I think that's important anywhere uh, for every head coach. So like whether I'm talking to Shelly Clays about lacrosse, she needs to help us fundraise. Um, you know, Mark Byington, same issue. So uh, not even an issue. They, they understand what they have to do. Um, NIL makes this a lot more complicated because you have the Duke Club and you have NIL what's the difference between the two state laws are different. So during this whole process, that was a lot of the conversation uh, that was had, but he certainly understands the importance of fundraising uh, as Jeff always has as Scooter Rinkin understands for the Duke club. And, you know, you and I do for Montpelier collective. So uh, it's, it's, you know, what it, it's a, it's the nature of the beast right now. It's um, I guess in terms of, of how he's thinking about it, were there any direct questions about how he can help? with the collective um, or the Duke club, or was that too, I guess that's too down in the weeds for that type of an interview. You no, know, no, we certainly, we, we, we certainly talked about it. And I think you'll, I'm not going to steal anything he's going to say in his press conference, but he understands the importance of it. I told him, Hey, look, if you could do a few things to help us, uh, here's what I, what I would su suggest. I also uh, explained to him the state of Virginia is certainly different than Florida, Georgia, Ohio, explain the difference between the state laws and then really how we're set up and that it's more of a retention fund that we don't play in the portal. We don't really play with, uh, you know, incoming high school students and things like that. And that was really after he was hired. So Cliff, I wanted to give you a chance. Um, also, when you look now, switching gears from your role in the hiring process, your role is running the collective. There's been a lot more of attention since the hire about, you know, various accounts, including ours, uh, encouraging people to make a donation because of the impact that they can have in helping this coach be successful right off the bat at JMU. Speak first to that, but then also there has been some some dialogue, at least online, about people asking a little bit more detailed questions about the collective, its purpose, um, you know, how it works in the inner workings. From, for both of those perspectives, why is this important now? And and speak to you know some of those questions that I know you've seen online um, that can hopefully make people watching this episode feel more comfortable about making a gift to the collective on top of what they do to the Duke Club. Sure, and you know I've said it a few times uh, when you guys have been nice enough to have me on, uh, but for those that haven't listened, <clears throat> the main difference between what we do as a collective and NIL collective and other schools is. Uh, as I just talked to Steve about, it's more of a retention bonus. And we try to commit to the kids that are committed to us. So you have to be enrolled here. You have to be on the team before, you know, we're not going to, hey, we need a defensive end in the portal. We'll offer X amount of dollars to get the person. We don't do that. We don't do that with high school students. And we're also a 501c3. Uh, so we're a charity. So the kids do get a stipend uh, for NIL. Part of that stipend is doing community service in the local Shenandoah uh, community. So that that's that's what we do. Uh, obviously, the more money we could raise, and I'm you know I had offers out prior to Kurt leaving. Um, so you know, obviously, the the better offer we can make up front, the the chances of retention are that much higher. Uh, so and look, this is complicated. People have questions. I, I'd say it takes me 45 minutes when I'm talking to somebody that doesn't understand NIL to explain what we do, why we do it, what makes us different. 
Um, so when people ask, you know, why can't you be more transparent? I saw that uh, when the collective was, was tagged. I'll be as transparent as you want. What I will not do is talk about how much the stipends are for the kids because that's nobody's business and it's private. And just like I don't think anybody would want their salary uh, posted with their peers uh, at work. So some of this stuff is is confidential. It's between the collective uh, and, and the student athletes. The student athletes don't even talk about it amongst themselves. Everybody knows who has a deal. They don't necessarily know how much that is. Uh, but for everything else, you know, all you have to do is reach out to me through the collective, um, you know, montpeeriecollective.com. Just hit contact us. That goes right to me. Uh, and I'll be happy to answer any questions. Uh, or if you want to have a phone call, we can do that as well. But we're not deliberately being uh, elusive or anything like that with how the money works. But uh, definitely not going to talk about what each individual uh, athlete gets. Well, Cliff, I'm, I want to ask you just one other question unrelated because it's a good segue to our next guest. Basketball. Uh, 9-0, first time program history. The attention that this program is now getting, and, and with more JMU fans tuning into the basketball team, maybe for the first time in a long time, how does that success coupled with the success of football make your job easier? And, and also, what can the combined success of those two programs do for this university's athletic department at a time where attention, notoriety has never been higher for JMU athletics and as we look towards the hiring of a new athletic director? Yeah, from a, from an NIL slash collective experience, uh, anything that we do that gets us in uh, more more eyes helps us. But also, obviously, it helps the kids because it does increase the value of their name, um, which is what this rule was for. Uh, but the the main thing is a run in NCAA, in the NCAA basketball tournament, uh, and with 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 this group is poised to do that if they have a good regular season they get the double buy in the tournament they win the Sun Belt tournament they're gonna they're gonna have a good seed and uh, you know a run in the NCAA tournament financially is a is a game changer even more so than getting a bowl uh in FBS now you make the FBS you know if you if you make the uh playoff that 12 team playoff uh next year that would be big but a run in the NCAA tournament financially uh is a huge win for both uh, the school and the conference so uh, you know, Mark's got him poised to do that. Nine and O's a great start. It was great beating. I think he's undefeated against ODU since he's been here. Um, beat him three times last year. Um, we get to play him at least three times this year. So I don't know if Jeff wants to keep playing him or not. <laughs> Probably doesn't, but we get two more yeah. this year. Well, Cliff, seriously, again, thank you. Thank everyone on the hiring process. I, I know it was a maybe a louder process than, than people would have liked in terms of the the scrutiny and the eyeballs on it. But that, again, is a sign of the passion uh, that this fan base has. And, and I'm sure we'd prefer the passion energy than the alternative to it. And it's a great time to be a Duke. And we're just grateful for your efforts to continue to help uh, make this coach successful and help make this athletic department um, what we believe it all can be. But then also, again, your support of those student athletes um, through the Montpelier Collective, because, again, that's what this is about. So um, thanks again. Go get some sleep. I know you went to the Caps game. Thanks for beating the Rangers, by the way. Yeah, um, that's, always, that's always appreciated. So I, I'll feel feel different in two weeks when they play the Islanders. So, but with that, thanks, Cliff. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Awesome. All right, and with that, before I bring in our next guest, I have to give two shout-outs real quick. First of all, to our producer Chandler Fortune on the other end of the camera. He won't ever come on screen, but Chandler, congratulations that are owed to you. One of the coaches of the back-to-back -back Super Bowl winning Spring Run Huskies. So. Golf clap to Chandler and to my dad, who I know is watching the Cortland Red Dragons heading to the Division Three National Championship, the Stag Bowl in Salem, Virginia. So congratulations to both of them. Big moments in their lives and both big supporters of the show. Uh, and with that, we're going to get to some basketball coverage. We talked a little bit about the basketball team so far in this episode, 9-0 for the first time in program history. And we wanted to bring on a guest, Jeff Smith, one of the founding members of the Dog Pound, Jeff you know this program very well, but before we get into a basketball-focused discussion, I wanted to give you a chance to introduce yourself, tell a little bit about your JMU story um, to those who may not be familiar with your name. That was great. Thanks, Jonathan. Uh, really happy to be here, and uh, thank you to Cliff uh, for a job well done. Uh, it, it was uh, I, I have hired a lot of people, CEOs and uh, board members, and they did a fantastic job, so very excited. Um, as far as Jeff, um, so my dad is a 1968 Madison College grad. Uh, I literally was born on his first day of student teaching. So I grew up on this campus. Um, and 
<clears throat> dad got in the military, came down to Madison College. He uh, played some basketball with the guys, not on the team. He had already done some basketball previously. So that was the start. Um, and then um, I'm a 1990 Jamie grad. Uh, played some basketball at Harrisburg High School, so I, I'm a proud blue streak. Uh, let's just put it this way that there are – a lot more points that were left uh, on the floor because I was on the bench a lot. So, you know, I wasn't here to help uh, be the Coach Byington's guide on how to score a lot of points. Uh, a couple things, though. Um, past president of the alumni board um, at JMU, and Beth and I uh, just wrapped up being the parents' council chairs. Uh, and so we have a daughter that just graduated, Caroline, and we have a son that's sophomore, Philip, at JMU. So definitely bleed uh, JMU. And then just one kind of quick note, my dad, uh, Mitch Arler, um, he ran, he was official scorekeeper for JMU uh, basketball games. So when you see someone press row in a ref jersey, uh, they're the ones who keep official score. He did that from 1977 to 2016. And then he was uh, downs and distance for all football games for the same amount of time. So definitely a JMU family. So Happy some basketball. So Taylor, it looks like you might be up. Mute. I'm I'm on mute. Sorry about that. I do that all the time. Um, so John mentioned the dog pound. And so for those that don't know, you know, sometimes we throw a lot around a lot of different giving groups. There's the Montpelier Collective, which is its own separate 501c3. Then there is the Duke Club, and under the Duke Club, the Alpha Dogs exist as a restricted funding group for football. Uh, the Dog Pound is a group, a restricted funding group for basketball um with a particular giving level it's a it's a small smaller group of individuals who have committed um a large annual gift to the men's basketball team to allow them opportunities for the coach to use in resourcing their team but jeff being one of the original members of that group uh he and i uh actually i should mention jeff is in roanoke so another southwest virginia duke um roanoke for those of you that don't, don't know it's a suburb of botetot county um and uh <laughs> And uh, and Jeff and I uh, went out to lunch prior to the basketball season starting because we have so many new faces as um, incoming recruits and also a bunch of transfers on the team that Jeff was able to kind of give me a rundown and who to look for as we went into that game with Michigan State. And, uh, you know, one of the first things they said in that Michigan State game which I thought was neat was the commentators about a minute into the game. So this wasn't them pandering to us once they saw that we could compete. It was right away talking about the size that JMU had for being a mid-major and that they were going to go toe-to-toe with Michigan State. So um, Jeff, with you being so close to the program and you know have had events with uh, Coach Byington and some of the players, talk a little bit about this team, really introduce them and, and talk about both some of the familiar faces that we're seeing, like Julian Wooden and Terrence Edwards, but also some of the new guys and how they're all kind of contrib- contributing to the team and, and have gotten us to this place where we're 9-0 and and the best start in school history. Yeah, thanks, Taylor. Uh, you hear me okay? I know there's a little – may not came in real clear at the beginning. Can you hear me okay now? Yeah, you're, you're much better now. Yes. Okay, great. Um, so I thought it was interesting that he started with Wooden from uh, Roanoke, Virginia. So, of course, uh, you know, a suburb of Botetourt. So uh, that's where I live as well. So I got to actually see Julian play in high school, uh, and my son got to play against him. He has just gotten so much better. He was an excellent kid in high school. Let me just give you a kind of a rundown. So Julian is one of those, this is the reason that we're good. We have kept players for multiple years. And then we've gotten a couple of older players, grad transfers, that fit into what we needed. So that's Coach Byington and the coaches just doing a fantastic job of putting all the pieces together. And so Julian Wooden is a fifth-year player. He's a leftover from the Lou Rowe. He's the only one left over from Lou Rowe's time period. And he's a six-foot-eight power forward that can shoot three-pointers. He can guard anybody. Um, and just a really great human being. Um, Coach Byington really loves his sense of humor. Um, he also says he's the coolest cat on the floor. If he misses a shot, it's no big deal. He'll come down, do something else. And so Byington loves that about him. The one to really keep an eye on that makes the team run is a gentleman named Terrence Fat Edwards, F-A-T-T. So if you see Terrence, he is just the, the heart of the team. Um, six foot six, he's a um, shooting guard, uh, power forward at times, you know, uh, scares us occasionally with his dribbling, but he can take anybody's best defender. He's averaging about, um, oh, it looks like 18 points per game. Uh, he's got about five rebounds, five assists per games. Um, but other 
coaches are really scared of him because he can cut through the lane and he's almost unstoppable. So he's had multiple 25 point games against some of the best opponents and he just makes everybody better. One other person that I'll just start with and then I'll tell you, I'll kind of open it up to you, but um, that has really made the difference is um, a gentleman named TJ Bickerstaff. That's a famous name. Uh, that's kind of an NBA royalty. Dad um, coached his grandfather coached in the NBA and he came in from Boston College. We do not normally get these kind of kids at JMU. He's six foot nine, 220, plays a little bigger than that. He's averaging about 16 points per game and uh, more importantly, almost 10 rebounds a game. We don't get that kind of player that is able to be an enforcer, get us some easy shots and be able to make really make things fun for us. And that was what's been missing the last couple of years. So we'll start there and then uh, you know, let uh, Michael or Taylor ask another question here. So, Jeff, um, really, really appreciate you uh, hopping on here. I know we've been following each other on Twitter for um, better half of the last decade, so it's awesome to, to finally meet. <laughs> I'll be virtually. Um, my question is to be a little bit on, like, Byington has had a chance over the last couple of years just building an awesome staff. Like, we've got tie-ins all over the DMV area. Um, he's really recruited some top-line players. And, that, and as you know, with the portal, it's more like, roster management than recruiting nowadays like he's brought some really high impact portal players and i think this year the chemistry with the team is just outstanding so talk a little bit about his staff and like what are some of the intangibles that they've been able to bring about yeah michael good question um, just remember this is this class is really the first class that he didn't have to to worry about covid and doing zoom you know so his first set of people he had to meet via Zoom. They couldn't come to campus. And he just had to like hope, you know, he had to watch tapes that kids sent them. His coaches like Xavier Joyner and John Crimmins, they had to go out of their way to just find talent. And so these are excellent coaches. Um, so this class, they really concentrated on what do they need to make things work. In the past, they've kind of spread themselves over like, let's look at 30 or 40 players. Instead, they really locked in and said, these are the five to seven players, and let's go after them hard. Let's show them that we love them and that they would fit in. And then <clears throat> someone like TJ Bickerstaff, he got him early. TJ then helped recruit others and said, this is a winning program. Come play here. He's been the biggest advocate, and he helped us land one of our recruits for next year at Atlanta. Uh, his uh, dad has helped coach him uh, in Atlanta and is able to like just be a real advocate um, and for what I would say, the kids that were coming here had played in programs like Robert Morris or at Boston College, mm -hmm. but they had not been real high in winners. And so they saw the opportunity, just like on our football side, that this could be a winning culture that Coach Feinton is building. And they want to come play for a winner and not just average 20 points a night in a lower level conference. Yeah, that's a really good point, right? You, got, you have highly productive players elsewhere come to JMU, be a part of a winning culture. Like it's been awesome so far. Uh, I wanna ask you one more question, right? From a player personnel perspective. Um, freshman Jalen Carey has been a fan favorite in the start of the season. I think he's 6'9", 245 from Florida and a freshman, true freshman. True I, freshman. I don't know how much you know, but I'd love to kind of hear a little bit about like his recruiting and, and the prospects and just like how Byington was able to land him this past year. Yeah, this is a good story. Um, this is the tenacity that at a mid-major you got to have. And so here's what happened. Um, during COVID, um, uh, Jalen got injured and uh, he wasn't able to play in some of the bigger tournaments, put on a little bit of weight, but we stayed with him. We saw athleticism, we liked him, and we just stayed in, in contact. Some of the other coaches kind of backed away. And he's from this area. I don't know if you know, but his brother played at Duke, Vernon Carey. Um, so his brother played at Duke and went in the NBA. His dad uh, is an NFL, a former NFL player. So it's a very athletic family. And so they just stayed on top of it and made him their target and made sure that um, he knew all along that we loved him. We went to his games, we talked about him, and we never let up. And we just showed him that extra love. And he committed early and never wavered. And you know, he's just so you get a sense, he's averaging about uh, six points per game, four rebounds per game. And when you put that together with TJ Bickerstaff, you know, that's averaging over 20 points and over 10 rebounds a game. That's a heck of a, a big man for us. Steve, what you got for us? Well, thank, 
Yeah, man, I, I was going to get with you about Sunbelt play. Um, we start Sunbelt play January 4th against the Raging Cajuns. Um, and wanted to get your advice or at least your outlook on who who should we look out for in the Sunbelt? Who's going to be our major competition in the Sunbelt? I mean, I know anybody can lose on any night, but it's um, I just wanted to see what you're thinking about it because the way I'm looking at it is is with some good purple glasses on, but I'd rather hear from you. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>, Steve. <clears throat> so here's the deal. Um, let me hit a couple things on that. One, um, people ask all the time, like, why don't we schedule better teams? So, you know, let me talk about that just a little bit. We would love to. Coach Byington and his staff went high and low. Um, most people don't want to play us. We're too good. Uh, they knew we'd be a top 100 team the last two years. Um, they're, just so you know, there's 362 teams in Division I uh, basketball. So in football, it's 133 um, at FBS, but it's all one division. So 362 teams. Um, and so we were a top 100 team. So a lot of people didn't want to play us. So just to give you a sense, um, we are right now number 27 in something called the net. That's what's used to help the NCAA choose who gets into the tournament. So we're 27 out of 362. Appalachian State, you know that team that we don't like on uh, game day? They're number 49. They just upset Auburn last week. So watch out for App State. We'll play them twice, uh, January 13th at home. Um, and so watch out for App State. Louisiana, they're ranked about 157. Um, but they're dangerous. They're, I think they're going to get better, Steve. They, they've had some a little trouble with their chemistry, uh, had a couple games they almost won. After that, Georgia State's reasonable. They're about 181. And then, unfortunately, the conference drops way off. Um, and so what I would say there is the hard part about Sunbelt play is that you often play Thursday and Saturday, two games on the road. And so it's tough to win back-to-back games on the road. It's tough to win on the road in basketball anyway. But then to win a Thursday and a Saturday, unfortunately, that will probably mean a couple losses against teams that you're like, how did we lose them? The simple fact is, you know, we're talking about 18 to 23-year-old guys. They're on the road, may not get much sleep, cramped travel, and then turn around sometimes in less than 48 hours playing another game. And remember, as long as we have a number next to us, we're going to be everybody's going to be fired up. They're going to be excited about that. Jeff, as we kind of wrap up um, your section, I, I wanted to kind of tee up what I think some, I'd like to hear some of your final thoughts that so much of JMU's uh, growth on a national level in terms of an entire athletic program has been largely with football pushing the way dating back to the early 2000s. So you're thinking about the last 20 years, but from the mid seventies to the mid to late nineties, Jamie wasn't only a basketball school. It was one of the better mid-major programs in the country. And you even have for those that um, want to check it out. Dare to dream is a book uh, by Lou Campanelli that you can find on Amazon. It's a great read. If you kind of want to find about the history of Jamie basketball, but talk a little bit about, your experience as a student, which was kind of at peak JMU men's basketball, um, and then just with the opportunity that we have before us in JMU this this season, regardless of where it goes from here, kind of being just one more building block into building a annual, you know. Uh, prominent mid-major program in this country, what that can really mean for an overall athletic program and the school in general, and just how important it is for a lot of those alumni who probably have put JMU basketball on the back burner for the last couple of decades to really kind of try to make a trip out to the AUBC and especially for the students to continue to bring back the atmosphere, which I will say, I, I really don't need to highlight the students too much because they have been great. I mean, there have been midweek games against small opponents where the end zones have been full and loud with students. The students have been great, but um, I'm kind of, it's kind of a long tee up to the question, but just kind of give your thoughts. <laughs> I think I know where to go. Yeah. Your thoughts and, and everything, what it means to go from here. Uh, so Taylor, uh, you're saying that Steve Brown and I are old is what you're saying. Cause we remember those days. Uh, Correct. You know, I played, uh, I, yeah, I, I remember games in Godwin and uh, you know, th those were fantastic loudest place I've ever been and Steve Steelper and toilet paper being thrown onto the floor. Right. Steve, you remember all this, right. And uh, Oh yeah. 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 That was easily the loudest place I've ever been in the hottest. Uh, that was, that was the VCU old dominion and everyone was in it. I had the, 
the um, chance to go to the 81, 82, 83 NCAA games. Uh, my dad went, he, group of friends, you know, I, I still to this day say that, uh, you know, we should have beaten uh, that Mike Jordan team. It was a terrible call on Charles Fisher. We, you know, look it up. It, it, it was great. Let me tell you how important that was. So I, my senior li- year, I lived with three guys from out of state. All three came to JMU because of the basketball team. Two of them had never heard of JMU until the basketball team. They were basketball players in high school, and that's how they came. Sight unseen, didn't come take a tour, but because of JMU basketball, that's how they decided to come to JMU. So some of my best friends in life came because of that, and so many other kids came. That was the electric zoo time. Uh, one thing I didn't mention uh, was I worked in sports information all four years, so I kept stats um, and was at all the games. I only, took, I only did not go work one men's or women's game my entire four years. And I know Steve Brown was there. And this was when we beat uh, Richmond 77-43 at Midnight Madness. Uh, it was my senior year. I had not taken the time off. So I decided I would not uh, work that game. I just wanted to be a regular student. It, it was the loudest, most fun I've ever had in my life. So, Steve, that was pretty amazing, wasn't it? We were so freaking drunk at that game. That was unfreaking believable. <laughs> that was I think that was, that place was packed, and we were all loaded up by – it was it was a blast. It's the most fun I've had probably at a basketball game in a long time. Yeah, it was fantastic. So Taylor, to wrap it up, um, bring it forward. Um, the basketball program, you wouldn't know Butler or Gonzaga without their basketball programs, right? College of Charleston recently. And we have that ability to be that good. And it's a little bit easier, believe it or not, in basketball to stay good longer because you really only need three to four key players. And if you can keep staying sort of old juniors and seniors and just keep re-plugging in the batteries, that's what this team has. They've gotten old together, but look, Xavier Brown's a sophomore. He'll be the point guard next year. Jalen Carey's our next big man. Raekwon Horton's a junior. We're reloading. And so with that, we can be fantastic. I want to just give a shout out to the kids. Um, They come, we do not have the trouble. It's a shorter game. So they stay till the end. Uh, they come early, they stay late, and they are a true uh, difference in the games. Um, uh, Coach Feinton in both the UVA game um, and the Radford games has said that the crowd helped win the game. And so you can make a difference. So for alumni and friends that are out there, get out to a game. Uh, you know, I know Jonathan got to catch a couple games here recently. It is so much fun. It's easy to use. Um, I've got tickets. Um, I, I don't go to all the games. If you ever need an extra ticket, hit me up. But just come out to a game, and you'll have fun. I'll just close with this. This is a fun team to watch. They average uh, almost 94 points a game. They're only giving up 75 points a game. There's some high-flying dunks, a lot of three-point shooting, um, and they play hard from the get-go. They would make you really proud, and it will be a lot of fun. And it's just a great venue to come to. So really thanks for having me on um, and for all that you do. Let me just thank you guys. Um, this has been a great space. I watch it every Sunday night. I know several of you as friends and met you, uh, you know, Michael, we're, we're going to be best buds here in a minute. Um, but you have given a voice to, a, to the fan base that was missing. And I've just loved seeing what you've done and to support the university. So please keep up the great work here. And thanks for having me on. Have a great night, everybody. Thank you, Jeff. We appreciate it. And thanks for all you do for the men's basketball program and everybody in the dog dog pound because it's it's instrumental to their efforts to be successful so um all the best and you've got me fired up i've told taylor i've watched more basketball games this season than i probably have in the last 10 years combined so if, if you're winning me over as, as more of a hockey fan in the winter you're doing something <laughs> right so uh thank you thank you jeff and we'll see you down the road uh and with that we'll bring back uh the rest of the gang for final thoughts guys um some bookkeeping before we get into final thoughts tickets for the bowl game um are Still on sale. So if you're somebody out there who who's able to get a flight, um, is going to be able to make it down to Texas, jmusports.com. Uh, we're going to reiterate again, if you're getting tickets for this bowl game, uh, make sure you're buying them from JMU. That makes a big difference uh, in the end for the university. And as Taylor mentioned um, last week's episode, the more JMU fans who make the trip down to Texas, uh, the better that plays for future bowls that JMU may get invited to. Um, I saw on JMU Nation, uh, I saw Carol Benassi has put out some of the events that are taking place around the bowl game. Looks like it's going to be a great time uh, for the days leading up to the game as well. So once again, jmusports.com. Uh, and also want to give a shout out to Jalen Green, won the Dudley Award this year, an award that we've seen a number of JMU players win in the past. Um, just a, an amazing season for Jalen Green and what he did 
uh, on this defense and and getting that honor for him is is well deserved. Uh, on behalf of everyone on Sound Off, um, congratulations to Jalen. And with that, I will go around the horn. Taylor, your final thoughts on on anything we discussed tonight or or anything else that's on your mind um, leading into uh, this week, where we'll get a chance to actually hear from Coach. Um, for the first time in his Tuesday press conference that I'm sure many will be making the trip up to meet him for the first time. I actually have quite a bit final thoughts just because there's a lot to hit on right now. Um, the first thing you just mentioned, Jalen Green, not only winning the Dudley Award, uh, the sixth time and fifth player to win that award. Badly won it twice. Brian Shore, Stefan Robertson, and Rodney Landers were also recipients of that award. So, um, But on top of that, was named a Walter Camp All-American. And it just made me think that we're not even done with our transition period yet. And everything short of making a college football playoff appearance in a New Year's Six, we've had an All-American We've gone to a bowl game. We've gone. We've been top 25 both times. We've had college game day. We've won our division. I think it's arguably to say that maybe we can't say we're champions of the Sun Belt this year, but we were the best team in the Sun Belt this year. You know, we've checked off every box, a boxes that a lot of programs don't get to check off in decades. And we've done it before we've transitioned to our full FBS status. So uh, football is doing great. And having said that, I don't mean this to be the wet blanket um or to downplay anything with the coaching um higher uh but i just think it's 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 important to state that i looked up there was a statistic about first year coaches in fbs last year there were 10 first year coaches two of them had winning records and those winning records were seven and five the other eight were six and six or less. Um, I think Coach Chesney has the potential to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest, coach at JMU. I have no doubt that he will be able to live up to the standards that JMU has produced for this team. Having said that, it's really important now that when we're talking about support is kind of thinking what that means for you as a fan. It means uh, your season tickets. It means making plans to come out to games. It means, you know, rallying around and reaching out to some of those uh, fraternities, sorority, people that live in your dorm, your friends from JMU, kind of have an opportunity to get them reconnected and reengaged. And then all of the different giving opportunities for those that can, whether it be with the Duke Club, whether it be the Montpelier Collective, you know, now is the time to give Coach uh, Chesney those resources that would allow him to continue the, the, the product that has been JMU football, but at the same time, knowing that, you know, are we supporting JMU football or are we supporting 11 and one in, in, in 10 and two seasons? So uh, let's, let's get behind him, give him every resource he needs because it's very hard for first year coaches to come in and do what our other first year coaches have done in the past. As it relates to men's basketball, um, I think Jeff mentioned this, how there's 362 division one teams. So when you talk about being the 18th ranked team in the country, I mean, football achieved that in football, but you're talking about, you're in the top 5% of teams. And you saw me post earlier today that there were eight undefeated teams. Princeton lost today. So now there are seven undefeated teams in the country out of 362, which puts us in the top 2% of programs in the country. If you want to look at the net score. So the net being that fairly unbiased, it's not a, Opinion, it's not a rank. We're 27th in the country. Um, that puts us ahead of Duke, Gonzaga, Kentucky, Villanova, all the Blue Bloods, UNC. Um, and then we love to throw out the kings of the Commonwealth. Uh, Virginia Tech, 62. Old Dominion, 265. George Mason, 58. VCU, 130. Liberty, 56. Uh, UVA currently has a higher rank, but I believe we're higher than them in the AP poll. So folks, this is a very good basketball program. Um, has a lot to be proud of, and we are still one of only five teams in the country with both a top 25 football and top 25 basketball. And then I'll say one more thing, because I'm kind of going on a roll here. Uh, let's talk about the women's basketball program for a second. So we were talking about how the net scores for a lot of the other Sunbelt teams in the men's uh, basketball conference are low. Uh, Sunbelt net for men's basketball is currently 21 the 21st ranked conference in the country, women's basketball in Sun Belt, the 11th ranked team in the country. And again, JMU was picked to win that conference this year. Um, they're currently six and three. Uh, two of their three losses were to Michigan State and Toledo, two very good teams. Michigan State's net is currently 11th. Um, they do have some good wins over Wake Forest. They beat a seven and one VCU team and gave them their only loss. Um, they're going to start conference playing here in a little bit, but make sure you're paying attention to them and what they're doing. Uh, they got a game at Maryland coming up, which is going to be big. And then uh, they start uh, conference play at home uh, 
January 4th against Arkansas State. As it relates to the men, uh, we got home games December 19th against Coppin State. We got a home game against Texas State uh, December 30th. But everyone needs to circle in their council calendar right now. January 13th, it's our home game against Appalachian State. They are another top 50 net team in the Sun Belt. They're the only other team ranked in the top 150. It's Appalachian State. There's no reason I should have to really convince anybody to want to come out and beat that game. That game should be a sellout. So those listening, I can't remember at the 13th, I believe it's a Saturday. Someone quote me on that, but I believe that's a game where people from out of town should make plans to come out to that game. And um, But again, we are we're doing some pretty impressive things in basketball right now. I know there's been a lot of the soap opera that has been waivers and coaches and undefeated and bowl games and football. Let's take some opportunity to focus on this basketball team and how special of a season this can be. Make plans for the spring right now, going down to Pensacola where they have the Sun Belt. Uh, conference championship for both men's and women's basketball. I don't have those dates in front of me. I do believe it starts March the 5th, but that would be another great opportunity to make some plans to go down and uh, support uh, Jamie basketball. And with that, I will wrap it up. Thank you, Taylor. Good points always. Michael, your final thoughts. I'm not sure I'm supposed to follow up on that, but I think Taylor covered a lot of it. Um, but I think it's pretty obvious that we are once again an everything school. So tweet that out. James just crushing it right all across the board. My final thoughts have to come with a couple of important dates. Obviously, we've got the bowl gate coming up, um, but National Sign Day, December 20th, 10 days away. Um, Christmas is right around the corner. So hang tight. We'll probably be doing a recruiting special, probably going in depth into the high school signees coming up here in a few days. So really exciting time to be a Duke. Um, the portal. Uh, closes on January 2nd. So if I'm just doing some quick math, we've got 22 days left. Um, and I think Cliff kind of hit it on the head earlier. If you're on Twitter um, and you see all the different announcements from players coming and going, let's be honest, like we don't know what's going on in, in the players' lives. We've had the privilege of JMU to have an awesome group of seniors and juniors that have been here for four or five, six seasons. Some of them already with a JMU degree. And some of them are just trying to test it out. They're trying to see what their value is. Maybe they have other pressing issues in their personal lives that are, are the reason why they're going to the portal. Respect that. We're James Madison University. Uh, we are a loud, proud, and passionate fan base. Um, but I'd rather be also respectful and also understanding of where these student athletes are coming from. And if you're following me, if you're associated with me, if I see any negativity around people coming and going or any more comments around, don't hit your head on the way out, like, on follow block, it's going to happen. So I just want to sh shout out right now, because I know I've been covering recruiting for a while. A lot of you follow me for player personnel, et cetera. Let's keep it all on the positive side. Um, and on Tuesday, Taylor kind of mentioned, this is probably the most anticipated opening pressers from a head coach in a while. And I believe it's open to the public. So if you're around the Harrisburg area, go support Bob Chesney, Coach Chesney, show him some love, let him know what Jamie's all about. Um, I think it's at 1.30 on Tuesday at the Plecker Center. So that's all I've got. And um, also, quick reminder, when we lost Juice Wells, the following year, we arguably had probably the best receiving core to ever come through JMU. The following year, we lost Isaac Ukwu, and we followed up with the best defensive line in JMU history. Um, I think if you all follow Big Game Boomer, all four of our starting defensive linemen were in the top 50. You don't know what's gonna happen with the portal. I don't know, no one here knows. But JMU doesn't rebuild. We only reload. Remember that. And to add to that, Michael, brilliant point by you, our best wide receiver arguably came from a little school in St. Francis that was probably not procrastinated by by a lot of people on the transfer portal. When you, you put your list together, most impactful transfer mm -hmm. portal ads, a lot of people probably weren't predicting Surratt having the impact that he did. So let's let's let this coach have an opportunity to uh, to fill this roster out the way he sees fit, and chances are based on history. We're going to be we're going to be pleasantly surprised with some names that none of us know about yet. So with that, Steve, your final thoughts? Uh, yeah, just to uh, tag on to what Michael said, I, I I want us all to take a breath when you're seeing guys that are going into the portal. Um, I fully support those those guys whether they stay or they go. I want them to stay. Um, always want them to stay, but don't begrudge them at all uh, for taking a look around. 
Um, same thing with uh, with Coach Signetti. I want us to stop the nonsense of he didn't say goodbye the right way. He did. He did, and he's not doing anything wrong by looking at people in the portal. Um, so at the end of the day, that's it's history. I, I wish him and the staff that followed him well. Um, you know, hope they do fine at Indiana. Uh, that's history to me. And right now I'm focused on the Bob Chesney era. Um, that's all I'm focused on. And and my hope is, is that the players that want to stay can stay and will stay. But at the end of the day, they're still JMU Dukes, and I will still help them no matter where they go, if they stay or they go. But by God, I hope they stay. Um, I'll make a bold prediction for you uh, for next year, and I'm not beyond doing it, but Bob Chesney will be the Sun Belt uh, Coach of the Year. Um, we will, You will see what he does with talent. You thought um, our prior coach did a great job with talent, and he did. Um, Bob Chesney will do a wonderful job uh, putting a great team on the field. And, um, you know, I see us as a much different team than the other teams in the Sun Belt. Um, there's a big delta in my mind, and it's probably because I have purple glasses, but we're up here and everybody else is kind of down here. Um, and it's been like that for two years, and you're going to see it exponentially take off with this coach. So buckle your seats. If you don't have a Duke, if you're not in the Duke Club, you better join. If you want to get tickets, um, you know, next year, um, or the next year, there's going to be a waiting list before you know it. Um, so if you want to make sure you've got a way to get tickets, you better join. It costs you $75. Um, that's not going to be $75 long. Um, if I were you, I would get in quickly. If you haven't joined, I would get the tickets you can get and start getting your priority points moved up so you can move up within the stadium. Uh, because this place is, you thought it was rocking this year. It's going to be rocking and it's going to be hard to get a ticket. So, you know, from my standpoint, you got time now. Uh, pop that money in and get going at least for the Duke club. So looking forward to uh, the Bob Chesney era. Um, I'm going to come up with some fun names for him right now. I have bullet Bob Chesney, but I don't know if that's going to stick. We'll see how that goes. Gentlemen. Thank you. As always great episode Chandler fortune. I know you're watching the Eagles. Not, not in any way, shape or form focused on what's happening with this podcast right now, but congratulations Chandler. Thanks for your efforts. And to our listeners, thank you as well. Um, I guess a lot of you really appreciate what we do in the t-shirt sales because we have seen a huge rush uh, of holiday sales coming into jmusoundoff.com and the Soundoff store. Um, again, thank you to anybody who, who <laughs> took some of our designs that we really didn't know what people would react to them. Um, but it's been really cool to see uh, them around campus, around at games. Um, so as always, we appreciate your efforts. We appreciate your comments. We appreciate your questions that you come in onto these shows. Um, it's why we do this. If there's ever a time where we stop saying thank you for the support that comes on the show, uh, it's probably means that we should stop doing it. So just again, on behalf of all of us, I uh, would sound up. We appreciate it. And with that, that's it for tonight's show. We will see you back next week for another episode of Jamie sound off. Enjoy the press conference on Tuesday. And as always go Dukes. Talk to you guys later.